Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sleep Suplex Retweet. Hello everyone and welcome to this, the latest edition of Saturday Draft Live here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Uh, I'm Steve Wilson and joining me this week we have David Hockney. David, how are you this Saturday? Oh, absolutely grand. Uh, Passed all my work exams lately. I'm a fully qualified uh, tech programmer now. And we're just eagerly awaiting the big party of the summer, which is happening next week. I don't mean like my uh, undisclosed flat party as of yet, but I'm talking about SummerSlam, of course. (laughs) I was wondering that. Have you you organised something that you've not told anybody about? That's why I was wondering (laughs) what was going on there. No, I'm just just doing a bit of redecorating here and there, but it's... uh, Definitely feels like a more of a more of a bachelor's environment now, I'd say. Oh, don't talk to me about redecorating. Do not talk <laughs> to me about redecorating. I have uh, a Saturday planned of sorting out a bunch of rooms in preparation for some redecorating, mm-hmm. which is always a joy. But enough about that. Let's uh, procrastinate from our DIY jobs, not talk about DIY and the wrestling, and let's <laughs> get on to the show right so top three this week dave and it is again a top three dominated by the judgment day mm-hmm. uh, pr- pretty much and at joint fund we have one member of the judgment day with two other wrestlers we have ross brady's captain of damian priest he's on seven points along with ryan douglas's captain camelo hayes and Orange Cassidy of the GOATS team. Uh, some interesting sways of points there. Uh, Orange Cassidy with another team mm. defence on Dynamite. Looks like he's going into a feud with John Moxley, albeit we don't really have much big stakes left for AEW. Camelo Hayes, big title defence tomorrow against Ilya Dragunov. And of mm. course, Damian Priest in midst of the second biggest stable storyline at the moment and biggest storyline in terms of show involvement with the judgment day oh yeah like these folks you know they've just been running roughshod across all the the shows as of late judgment day in particular you know i think they were across ross smackdown and nxt this week so just for appearance points alone damian priest getting seven points that's a massive massive gain although i'm starting to wonder if the orange cassidy bubble which has been pretty much you know the top scorer of the season thus far has started to maybe slip a little bit with not as many AEW international title defenses now. 
because Orange Cassidy, you know, even though he's still got a decent score this week, he's now slipped to third overall in the top 10 of the season with 78 points. Uh, literally are almost exactly the same as Seth Rollins and Dominic Mysterio, both of whom have been, you know, running roughshod these last these last few weeks. He does have six TV title defences this season, does Orange Cassidy. That one against AR Fox pipped him over Chris Statlander. Chris Statlander being on that table so high is, speaks volumes considering that she only started appearing halfway through the season. So that's a mm. particularly interesting one. Damien Priest did get a win on Raw as well. He he, he beat Akira Tozawa. No, not Akira oh, Tozawa, sorry. Yeah. Apollo Crews. He beat Apollo mm-hmm. Crews on Raw. They weren't on all the shows this week. It was mainly just uh, Dom and Rhea who were mm-hmm. on the two shows particularly, but still seven points has a good total. Uh, for Ross, it would get him up to 14 for this for, the, for that one particular Raw. He probably had a bit of an uphill battle to climb, given the fact that Priest isn't an actual champion. So the fact mm-hmm. that he's got to, he's got to, actually, he's not getting any title points for Endymion Priest wins. And in the lead up to Money in the Bank, Priest was the one not getting a lot of wins. But Camelo Hayes, uh, six man tag team victory on NXT. Um, what do you, Ryan, as we'll talk about in a minute, he's probably mid table. He's a bit too far off to get a charge. Do you mm-hmm. think he could have a good night on Sunday tomorrow with Camelo Hayes in this title defense, or could the, or could we see a change? There is a lot of talk that Camelo Hayes and Trick Williams will be joining that Lashley stable on SmackDown. Mm. I mean, it can certainly go either way because they certainly teased the interaction with Bobby Lashley on SmackDown when we had the the SmackDown in Orlando, I think it was. You know, there was a few NXT talents on display. I don't know if they were just maybe showcasing uh, a few names, you know, like Wesley and Dragon Lee were also there. But I don't think that gave any, any, any indication that they were going to be moving. But I think the interaction with Carmelo Trick and Bobby, along with the Street Profits, it certainly it seems like it's planting the seeds for something. But... I think a win for Ryan would certainly help his his look in the standings, uh, and a win for Ilya Dragunov would certainly bump Grant, you know, away from the the bottom of the table. You know, just, despite all of Grant's picks scoring double digits uh, this season, it just hasn't really worked out. You know, with Jay White as his captain and his team mostly being like um, AEW picks, because his only WWE selections thus far are Ilya Dragunov and Butch Pete Dunne. So it's. I think for either of them, I think it will just be a nice little morale boost for them, but it's not going to guarantee a, a win or at least a top five standing for this season. No, but uh, our one, our two and one this week on the top scorers could do a lot to sway who wins the draft potentially or who finishes where in the top echelons of the table. Second place with 12 points is Dominic Mysterio with myself and top of the table is Rhea Ripley on 13 points for Scott. Mm. This is, we'll, probably, we'll talk about the impact of Rhea Ripley in, in, in pretty much in our closing segment of the show. But the, this, the, two, the two of them just seem to be, as you alluded to with Damien Priest, they seem to be everywhere. And it's something that, as guys we'll talk about later on, we didn't really see coming at the start of the season, and the first half of the season, they were in a bout, they were doing stuff, but they weren't really pushing the boundaries too much. But ever since Money in the Bank, you everything is Dom and Rhea. I mean, you look at the TV ratings in America, NXT got a big bump when Dom won the North American title. You can understand why WWE are pushing them and 
it's not like they're pushing them down your throat as well because sometimes they have a habit of that. They are really over with the crowd, which is mm-hmm. amazing given a year ago what uh, Brody King was tweeting about them pretty much being like a diet fucking house of black. <laughs> uh, now look where they're standing at the minute. AEW Tree was champions and yet they're sticking out, you know, much like a... Well, I was going to say a sore thumb, but whatever the opposite is of a like a, a perfectly working healed thumb, I think that's the that describes the House of Black at this point. But Dominic is probably the best heat magnet they've got, and wherever he goes, he's always going to generate a reaction from the crowd. And his his tandem with Rhea is one of those pairings that just works brilliantly. Like it's the most naturally. It's the most natural pairing that gets a an illicit response from the crowd, much in the same way, like I think maybe um like Miz and Mizdow did. You know, Miz was the heat magnet, but everybody was cheering for uh for Sandow at that point. But Rhea, I think, was always been a hot commodity ever since the the start of the season, having just won the women's world championship at WrestleMania from Charlotte. Uh Dom Dom definitely was a slow burner, but as evidenced from previous seasons, uh, you know, he was still a hot commodity, you know, in terms of both appearance points, but also even getting the odd win here and there. He was a massive scorer last season on me and me and Gary's team. But having having the two of them together is is what's drawing the ratings in. And honestly, I, I just can't get enough of seeing them together. And it's one of those teams that you really you, you love to hate rather than because it, it's not go away heat you know it's he just dom just knows how to rile people up the wrong way and the fact that they're maximizing them uh, to their full potential is not only good for wwe tv but obviously for yourself you're scoring big points and obviously for scott as well who was who had her as the first round pick overall yeah i'm looking at the dominic Castillo stuff uh it's a bit annoying for me because obviously just before he kind of pushed this push came from this big mass in the last few weeks. I took the captaincy off him. I put it on mm. EO for I put it on EO for money in the bank, and uh, I did it. Mm. I could, my reasons for it were sound. Obviously, she won the money in the bank match. I need some title points. I need to get up the table. If I'd foreseen this push with Judgment Day and Dominic, I would have kept it on him because it probably yeah. would have put me a bit higher up the table. I probably would have been up there closer to Matt to the top three. But it's, one of those, it it's just one of the. Yeah, it's just one of those things you can't predict. I mean, I don't think any of us suspected Dominic Mysterio was going to win the North American Championship at uh, any point. So I can see a reasoning for putting the captaincy onto Iwa Sky uh, because obviously given she was the favourite to win the women's money in the bank. So I don't think it's a... In hindsight, yeah, definitely could have done things different, but there was no way you could have known what was going to happen. But you're still standing pretty decent on the on the table at the minute. You know, yeah. Dominic Mysterio himself, that those 12 points have bumped him up to fourth overall in the top 10 of the season. Uh, just behind Orange Cassidy, funnily enough, 77 points total. Yeah, and if, um, if EO does cash in at SummerSlam, you know, that'll be the one laughing my, mm. way, back, laughing my way to the bank. But we move on now <laughs> to uh, our top 14 table uh, as it stands, as we are just one week away from the end of this marathon season 17. And at the bottom, he's into triple digits. It's Ross hey. McLeod. Ross McLeod on 106 points. Unfortunately, he's still a massive 36 and a half points behind Andy Mitchell, which I hope I don't blow like Shane McMahon's knee at 142 and a half. 
But Andy himself is just kind of lingering in that kind of position as he's a good bit behind Grant McRobbie on 173 points. Ahead of him is yourself, David. Uh, you've uh, went down a couple mm. of places in the last uh, day or so uh, with the West End Country Club at 190.5 points. As Jack mm. Gray was jumping back ahead of you with the three-time Kings of Drafting, 196 points. The transfer window king has been truly dethroned this season. Uh, <laughs> Tom Brock, uh, a decent enough uh, first season after his title win for him at 198 points. Uh, in eighth place, Gary Kernahan, the favourite going into the season, not working away of him whatsoever with Team Vista on 107 points. Then we have another slight gap up to Ryan Douglas. He's in seventh, the Lean Mean Tangerine Machine on 120. And then just ahead of... Sorry? 220, <laughs> sorry. That, 220, <laughs> sorry. I, I say 120. Uh, yeah. And then just... And then just ahead of him, Ross Brady, the big Ross man, 223 points. Then we have a slight gap up to our top five. And I think there is a reasonable possibility, even though some of them may be a bit more faint, that any of these could win it, depending on circumstances. We never know. Uh, Team Goat, 245 points. Stop saying 100. 245 points for Team Goat. Uh, we calculated during the week using a metric that we calculated. We- Made recently that this is the best title defence since the snake draft was introduced, given where David drafted from. So well done to David. He'll be pleased to get that shout out for that on the show. And maybe he'll stop badgering me for a few days. Um, <laughs> up and forth as myself, and the Ross Wilson is underappreciated on 258 points. Then we have a top three, and it's got really interesting this week. 272 points. We have Matt Swift with the booty woes. And at this point, I will say, for the final week of the season, Matt is changing his captain. He's taking it off of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens with the Kevin Owens injuries. And he's put it on the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. (laughs) That is arguably the best move he could have done, especially because if he'd left it after Sunday, he wouldn't have been able to do it. Oh, that is smart. That is very, very smart. Pre going into the show today, I was I was like I was going to talk about it. I was like, he's got to do something with it. But he messaged me mm. this morning, asked when he could change his captain, and there we go. It's, it's it's really a good time for it as he is four points behind Chris Anthony Lopez. Yes, Chris Anthony Lopez off the top of the table. He's been dominating the league since around week five, but he's on two hundred and seventy six points and ten points behind you, leader. What a run he's had. Dorothy yeah. Mantuff as a saint. Scott McLeod on 286. Dave, we're going to talk a bit, a bit more about this later on in the show. But what <laughs> a fantastic finish we have in store in this final week now, given the scores oh, This is going to be a fight to the finish. Like, any of these people in the top five have a chance of winning. Like, what it looked like, it was going to be a runaway season for basically the entire... Since, since the beginning, has now turned into a really, really tight competition. And I can't wait to see what happens afterwards, especially with that captaincy change being announced from Matt Smith. This is going to go down to the wire. Speaking of something that might go to the wire, this listener's league, Dave, it looked at one point like it was one person winning, but in the last mm-hmm. few weeks, like the main league, it really has flip-flopped in some way. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so looking at the top five uh, for the Listeners League, uh, we have uh, a new entry this week. We have Martin Best with Let's Make Progress on 314 points. Fourth place, uh, someone who's consistently been in the top five but has dropped from first down to fourth, it's Gary Morris with We Are The People on 330 and a half. Third place, Adam Callier with Noam Dar's My Jewish God on 335 points. Joint uh, top scorer this week, along with John Sly and Martin Best, both scoring all scoring uh, 37 points this week alone. So it's been a good week uh, for, for those guys there. Uh, second place, another consistent top five scorer, Jonathan Napier, flat back key bumps on 350 points, scoring 31 this week. Pretty decent, but a little bit lower than some of the other uh, scorers we've had. But once again... Going into the final week, uh, at the top of the Listeners League, we have Elliot Cantor with Cost of Fortune on 368. So there's an 18-point gap between first and second, and a 15-point gap between second and third. Not as tight as the Contributors League, but it's it's looking like a very a much clearer uh, path for victory for Elliot Cantor, who's also had a very good scoring week this week, scoring 35 points outside of the um, the joint top scorers this week, largely assisted by the fact his captain, Rhea Ripley, was the big scorer this week with 13 points. Uh, but looking at the rest of his team, we've we've been through it a couple of times, but just to remind, just to remind everybody, he also has, uh, from WWE, he also has Becky Lynch and Imperium as his tag team. Uh, but he also has Darby Allen, who recently won the number one contendership TNT title in a battle royal. Uh, and he's also got both members of Better Than You Baby, MJF and Adam Cole, as singles competitors. So whatever wins they rack up is going to be uh, doubly useful for, for Elliot. And I think that's the that's been his secret weapon outside of Ray Ripley as his team captain. Uh, but that's not all we've got going on. We also have the Listeners League Cup with uh, one week left of scoring with the final uh, to be determined at SummerSlam. And we do have our final competitors uh and believe it or not, we could potentially have the first Listeners League Cup winner uh, who finishes at the top of the standings. So they, the semi-final scores are Mike Angus defeating Gary Morris by 45 to 37 and Elliot Cantor defeating Paddy 69 to nice to 58. So which means the final of the Listeners League Cup is going to be Elliot Cantor versus Mike Angus. Uh, so they'll score throughout this week. And the final scores will be determined following SummerSlam. And whoever wins that gets to join the Contributors League. And should Elliot Cantor, who is currently sitting at the top of the table, should he win it, he'll also get to draft from first place next season. Mike Angus is currently sitting in eighth place in the Listeners League standings. Uh, Mad Dog's lucky dip on 297 points. So a fair bit outside the top five. So... But Elliot Cantor's been running roughshod uh, in the sort of second half of the season following the transfer window. Assuming Rhea Ripley gets a match at SummerSlam and retains the championship, I think he's got the best chance of uh, of winning here. Mike Angus, on the other hand, uh, you know, his captain is MJF, but he and Adam Cole have got a title match against FTR for the uh, AEW tag titles. The rest of his team, Dominic Mysterio is probably his next biggest scorer, along with... Uh, he also has the Street Profits as his tag team, Zelina Vega, Darby Allen, uh, Jade Cargill, who's been MIA since losing the championship. And so on paper, I think Elliot's probably in the best position to be winning 
the, this Listeners League Cup. So I'm going to make that my official prediction. Elliot Cantor wins the Listeners League, wins the Listeners League standings, and will draft first from next season. Elliot Cantor doing the double, something that his beloved Cardiff City will never do. <laughs> uh, you know what? Elliot is on the verge of making Listeners League history as well, you know, being the first... Uh, Listeners League winner to draft, not only draft from first, but also win the Listeners League Cup. So it's a big, big opportunity for him here to make his name etched in Listeners League history here. Yes, uh, I was uh, speaking to uh, our league member Ross Brady, who is uh, a friend of second place Jonathan Napier. He messaged me saying, Johnny's taking the league table as well. He's just called Elliot a cheating. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good to see, you know, that they're still competitive on, on their end as we are being competitive on, on our end as well. But yeah. I like how the Listeners League Cup formats uh, sort of went, you know, with this, uh, the group stage format followed by the knockout. We definitely need to do it more often going forward. It just creates that little extra level of competition uh, outside of the regular standings. Yes, but let's now go back onto our main league. And as we mentioned, Scott McLeod is top of the table. He's now 10 points ahead of Chris Anthony Lopez, which begs the question, we've seen in our, our draft chat, how the, the the rise of Scott week by week, he's pretty much gaining ground all the time. It's, it's mental to see. Scott was eighth when we did the transfer window. And the thing about that, which is mental, is the fact that during the transfer window, they had this trade between Scott and Chris, where Scott got rid of, Scott got rid of, essentially, Candice LeRae and Tekechka. Yeah. He got got Cora Jade and Chris Jericho off of Chris. Is that one of the worst tactical decisions we've ever seen in draft history. (laughs) This is what I would like to describe as a monumental fuck-up on Cal's part, because who in their right mind would trade two picks who were actually, for where they were picked, they were actually pretty decent scorers. Chris Jericho uh, and Cora Jade, I believe, were both on double digits. Cora Jade was a a sixth-round pick as well, just to fill out the rest of Chris's team. Like, as a sixth-round pick, Cora Jade was in a very, very good position. Why the bloody hell would he give up two very respectable scorers based from where they were drafted for two picks, one of which was brought in during the transfer window and has done little to fuck all since being transferred, and somebody who scored less than five points since the very beginning in Candice LeRae, only scoring three points. Konosuke Takeshita, I bet, I get, you know, he's had a couple of appearances on AEW here and there, but there was no, no chance in hell he was going to be worth, you know, keeping on your team. Why would you give up somebody who's as consistent as Chris Jericho in AEW and someone who's as consistent on NXT as Cora Jade for two picks who've done next to nothing, both from the start and the transfer window season? It's... Oh God, the mind, the mind truly boggles. And you know, I've said this in our group chat before. Like, even when Chris was still leading at the top of the table, when Scott eventually did overtake him, all he's going to hear is Chris screwed. 
Chris, and that's the proofs in the pudding with these uh, with these scores. I mean, I have uh, I had a look at some of the scores about this one because uh, we'll talk about another area of the two guys' teams in a minute. But if you look just slowly at the kind of trade that we just mentioned there, Tekechka is a part, according to Chris and Scott at the time we did the transfers. Tekechka was a guy that Chris was desperate to get, and he was really disappointed that Scott got. Him. But Tekeshka, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, he scored eight points since he came in. Candice LeRae has got zero since the transfer window. So that's eight points for Chris at that point. Mm-hmm. Chris, Cora Jade's got nine since the transfer window. So Cora Jade's got more than the two. And then he added in Chris Jericho, who's had 19 points since that time. He's regularly on TV still. He's winning. It looks like he's, if rumours are to, belie- to be believed, which I can't believe I'm saying... He's about to build a feud for All In with Will Osprey. <laughs> Mother of Christ. Tekechka got dragged out of blood and guts to avoid being a part of the pin. <laughs> so he's technically got a loss. I mean, Tekechka's going to be teaming with Jericho for the for the 200th Dynamite next week. So there's going to be no gain or anything whatsoever from that point. Mm-mm. It's something, it's just that we talked at the time that the baffling trade was the Bianca Belair Zoe Stark trade between the two mm-hmm. between the two Ayrshire fannies, the Jack and Ryan. But this one's baffling. But another aspect of it that is a bit harder to determine, which you've got to give Scott credit for, and he stuck with his guns with it, is what we mentioned around Rhea Ripley. Mm-hmm. Rhea Ripley in the first half of the season was not doing as much as Rhea Ripley was we thought she would have been doing. She was the first overall pick of the draft this season. You want something like something like that to be absolutely dominating, but she was not getting the, the type of scores that Scott would like to see. She was doing not bad, but she wasn't, you know, really, really pushing the boundaries. He could have panicked and put a title and, and changed the gap into somebody else. Granted, I don't know who he would have changed the two in his team. But he could mm. have panicked that one, especially at this point, because Chris had Seth Rollins, who was going to who was the fighting champion Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. But in the six weeks of scoring since the transfer window, Seth Rollins has had 63 points for Chris, which is a good total. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's good. Rhea Ripley has got 104 in that particular point. And if you can, that's a 41 point difference nearly. And if you look at the point scoring for Scott's team, it's something that you and Ryan talked about last week. Ryan mentioned you need to be scoring 25 points in your team to win another. Now, we've had a look at it. The actual average for point scoring per week to win it is about 22 and a half. Mm-hmm. Scott's last six weeks of scores, 21, 27, 26, 32, 26, 34. Chris Anthony Lopez's last three weeks of scoring, 16, 7, 11. Scott has got, over the last six weeks, if you combine the rear Ripley differential with the kind of ones he's kind of done from the trade, He's got 50 or more points than Chris in the last six weeks. He was 40-odd points behind Chris in the transfer window. Okay, but seven places behind. This is a Tottenham Hibs bottle job like no other. I'm going to pretend that I understand that football reference. But yeah, it's, it's completely flipped on its head how much the transfer window has impacted the standing. Like... As you mentioned, you know, Scott, you know, even though he drafted first overall, he was stuck at the bottom for a good while because 
Brett Ripley's been sort of like the slow burner, you know, with the title defences against Zelina Vega and Natalia at Backlash and Crown Jewel. But ever since then, you know, she's really, really picked up steam. You know, her partnership with Dominic across all three shows has allowed her to run rampant, you know, and rack up those points. Rack And I also saw an interesting t- statistic on, um, on Twitter, I think it was. Uh, Rhea Ripley has not been pinned in about 424 days, 426 days from the time of uh, from when I posted it. Yeah. So since she was last, pin- so her last pinfall loss was at the hands of Liv Morgan on May 29th, 2022. So that's over, so that's 14 months she's not been pinned. That's how Scott's been able to rack up those rare Ripley points as well. It's crazy. I mean, the big, at the end of the day, the rear stuff is great. It's helped Scott get up it. But I think the big thing is this transfer window trading. Because if you look at the kind of points without a transfer window in effect, if you look at it just points based on the team they had before the transfer window, like a regular season, you don't get a chance to trade. If they had that team still, Chris would have been 24 points ahead of both Scott and Matt going into this last week. We now have a mm. scenario where Chris could end up behind the two of them very easily. Chris does have Tiffany Stratton to, on Sunday night defending yeah. the NXT Women's title against Tia Hall. Or Tia Hale, I can't make that type of name. Thea Hale. Thea Hale, thank you. Thea Hale, thank yeah. you. Uh, Scott does have Gallus taking on the, the, the D'Angelo family. Yeah. But I wouldn't be as confident about that as I would have been about Tiffany Stratton. So Chris could get back up there. But at the same mm. time, this could have been a cakewalk for Chris. And he's made it so hard for himself. It's great for us watching as neutrals or us kind of following from behind us guys on this show. But from the point of view of Chris Anthony Lopez, he should have been going into mm. this final week with his feet up. Granted, there's a slight risk of Seth Rollins not either not beating Finn Balor or Damian Priest catching in. That's kind of over his head. But he would have came in with some degree of confidence. Now, mm. he could be remembered as the draft bottle merchant and as you mentioned Chris screwed Chris it's going to yeah. be the tagline it's the title of this show Chris screwed Chris I'll tell you what thanks for reminding me I'll put that in the uh, when I'm doing the editing I'll uh, I'll put that in the title <laughs> it's just it's absolutely baffling but mm-hmm. some of the some of the swings that Chris has allowed people to get back in is mental I mean we mentioned Scott Scott's had a 50 point swing to Chris which is unbelievable uh, mm. I've had a 33 point swing on the old on the old point scoring I should be about 41 points behind Chris so he's mm-hmm. really just gave some he's gave people a bit of a go but hey ho it's great to watch what did we hate about last year's transfer window season that Jack won by a country mile so this has mm. kept people interested and that's what we want to see and that's what we hope that you the listeners have enjoyed have enjoyed here I mean if you like what you heard I mean the listeners league uh, we're now looking for people to join next season's Listeners League with this season coming to an end. So if you have enjoyed like that, please join the Listeners League and join this magnificent draft season. And maybe you could bottle it like Chris Anthony Lopez. Maybe they don't do bottle it like they do in Chicago. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and with that, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Who bottles it, Who bottles it uh, in Chicago? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the... Oh, who are the... Who's the NFL team? The... Who have the, the Chicago Bulls? They've got the the Bears. 
the Bills are the NFL team, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, that is that has been our uh, episode of Saturday Draft Live this week. We hope you have enjoyed it. If you did, please hit the subscribe button if it's the first time you're listening to us. Make sure that's hit so you get all our content whenever it comes out. Dave, thanks for joining me on this penultimate, pretty much week of the season. Big week coming up in the next week. You know, if it's so much to decide, listeners league mm-hmm. cup will be decided in the next week. As we mentioned, this SummerSlam could be must-watch. We've not had an exciting kind of more, more than two races in a while. Uh, last mm. year's Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble from 2022 is one of the ones I remember. It's going to be a good one. Mm. Yeah, don't forget there's also NXT Great American Bash tomorrow as well. So anybody with NXT picks on the card, they're certainly going to potentially rack up a few extra points uh, before the big party of the summer. Yep, absolutely. So much to play for. Make sure you tune in next week where we'll give out how the landscape is looking with just one pay-per-view left to go. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've been Steve Wilson and from us at SDL, we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Sports Social Podcast Network.